Chefs Without Restaurants, episode 83 with Masako Morishita. You know, like since I moved to D.C., um, it was a little bit of struggle that I could not find um, the food I used to grow up eating, the food I used to make with my mom and my grandma. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people think Japanese food as ramen or sushi. That's very, very popular here. But as Japanese, like we don't eat those every single day. And then when I, um, you know, when I made some Japanese like dishes to my my friends when I first moved here, they were very surprised. They're like, is this Japanese food? Like I never eaten food like this before. So um, that's what I'm trying to do. Like I wanted to introduce uh, my culture and my food to to the people who never experienced that before. This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your host, Chris Spear. Each week, I'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm your host, Chris Spear. On the show, I have conversations with culinary entrepreneurs and people in the food and beverage industry who took a different route. They're caterers, research chefs, personal chefs, cookbook authors, food truckers, farmers, cottage bakers, and all sorts of culinary renegades. I myself fall into the personal chef category as I started my own personal chef business, Perfect Little Bites, 10 years ago. And while I started working in kitchens in the early 90s, I've literally never worked in a restaurant. On this week's show, I speak with Masako Morishita. Originally from Kobe, Japan, Masako's family has owned and operated a bar and restaurant there for over 90 years, and food has always been a part of her life, though she never worked as a cook. Growing up, she was interested in dancing and cheerleading, and in 2013, she moved to Washington, D.C. to be an NFL cheerleader for the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins and was even a captain in her fifth year. She's always enjoyed cooking at home and would regularly cook for her friends. Not able to find the food she grew up eating, in 2019, she decided to start Otabe, a pop-up in Washington, D.C. that focuses on Japanese comfort food, which she hopes to turn into a more permanent endeavor. We talk about moving to and touring the world with the NFL, the future of Otabe, a few of her favorite cookbooks, and of course, Japanese cooking, including okonomiyaki, dashi, and cooking with a donabe. And once again, I recently started a Patreon to support the Chefs Without Restaurants organization and podcast. So if you love what I'm doing here, please check it out. You can go to patreon.com forward slash chefs without restaurants, or the link is in the show notes. I really appreciate the support. And now, on with the show. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. Hey, Masako, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. I love your food from what I can see on Instagram. I haven't made it out to one of your events yet, but it's on the top of my list when we can start dining out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. So I usually start the show by jumping right in to find out a little bit about your background as it relates to food and cooking. Uh, mm-hmm. So where did you grew up in Japan? Can you talk a little bit yes. about where you grew up? And then, you know, were you always interested in food and cooking? Yes. So um, I was born and raised in Japan. I actually moved to Washington, D.C. 2013. And obviously, my entire my entire family still live in Japan. So I'm the only one actually being here in the States. 
So I grew up um, in a city called Kobe, which a lot of people know for Kobe beef. So I grew up there. Um, I didn't move anywhere else. So I was like basically born and raised in Kobe, Japan. Uh, Kobe is about um, 45 minutes uh, train ride from Osaka. And from Tokyo, uh, it would be an hour plane ride or three hours bullet train ride. Um, so it's like a little bit of um, center to west side of Japan is where Kobe is located. Actually, my family has a family business, which is a little bit of a liquor store and then bar restaurant. So um, that place were um, founded by my grandfather 88 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then my father actually inherited it, um, still running the business nowadays, too, uh, with this COVID situation, they're going strong still, <laughs> which I'm really happy about. So that uh, little restaurant bar um, is very tiny. It's like a standing bar style. We have probably like, I'd say like 200 square feet. It's very, very tiny. But it's like a gathering place for um, neighborhood people, um, people who get off work. So I've been around like those customers like since literally I was born because the, the restaurant bar is um, owned by my mom and my dad. And we didn't have any employer or anybody like that. So basically, I was a free raver. <laughs> So um, probably since like three or four years old, I remember I was standing in the store helping them out, like putting a sticker to like some products and items. Um, I was peeling potato for my mom. Yeah. So I I just um, the the cooking and food and this um, industry is always part of my life since as long as I remember. So my kids are eight years old. Are you saying I, I should have them right now, starting with me, get, get put them put them to work, huh? Well, well, if you want, but like for me, it helped me so much to have this career because I still remember what I learned from my mom and my grandma. Yeah, so so the restaurant's um, food, uh, bar food, is basically um, the, all the recipe is developed by my mom and my grandma. So that's like huge inspiration for me still. I still use those recipes and I put like some of my twist to my food to make it interesting, like make it something, you know, a little bit modern. Yeah, so that's that's my background. So um, I did not go to like culinary school or anything like that. But um, everything I learned is from my mom and my grandma, which, who I think was the best teacher. So how did you end up in D.C.? Yeah, so it was kind of like very unique story. The the life I, I had in Japan, I was not cooking. You know, of course, I've been helping out my family my entire life, but I didn't have cooking as my job. So I went to college, I graduated, I, I, I started working for some company, nothing related to cooking. But I was, I, I've been dancing since I was college. And I was a cheerleader in Japan. So my dream was to try out for um, an NFL cheerleader someday. So that's actually ended up in D.C. So 2013, um, I came to D.C. with just probably like one, one and a half like suitcase with things. And then I tried out for now the name is Washington Football Club. The back then it was called Washington Redskins. So I tried out for the team and for some reason, I made it. 
So I had to relocate it like right away, which I really didn't think is going to happen. But, you know, it happened in a good way. So that's why I um, I moved to D.C. actually. That's quite an interesting story there. Yes. Did you Were you interested in American football when you were living in Japan or was it yes. just the cheer- you were? Yes, I was. Um, but of course, you know, for me, uh, main thing was dancing and cheering. So I didn't really care much about football. I remember, I think that year before I tried out, they had a great year with a RG3. I think they went to the playoff. So actually the first year I tried out, which is 2013, uh, we had a lot of um, participants actually trying out for the audition. So it was, you know, quite a tough, tough process, but I, I made it for some reason. <laughs> and I stayed on the team for five years and I didn't, I ended up being a captain my fifth year and the last year. So yeah, it was a great experience. And, you know, I'm really um, thankful this experience actually brought me to this area, Washington, D.C. And I love the city as well, too. You got to see the whole country, right? Because you toured with them, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I got to travel not only um, just within the United States. I actually was able to travel like, you know, a lot of different countries. I've been to Kosovo. I've been to South Korea, Naples, Italy, Rota, Spain, Mexico, um, and then Alaska during the Super Bowl time, which was in February. <laughs> Very cold, I'm sure. Very cold. But um, yeah, those are the great experiences. Um, most of the travel were related to military base visits. So sometimes I go with um, other Redskin cheerleaders. Sometimes I go with cheerleaders and players from different teams. So traveling with like different people, it was just amazing. And me, you know, and it was a nice way to uh, um, thank the uh, servicemen and women. So it was very rewarding. Yeah, a very unique experience I'm sure most people haven't had. Yes, yes. So I know about you now through your pop-up dinners you've been doing. I'd love to hear more about how that came about and, you know, what your style is with the food. So my style of food is Japanese. I'd say Japanese comfort food. Uh, Right now, I'm not focusing on just one dish. Uh, I try to create something I feel authentic to me. Um, So that's how I uh, uh, decided to do my business, business, Otabe. You know, like since I moved to D.C., um, it was a little bit of struggle that I could not find um, the food I used to grow up eating, the food I used to make with my mom and my grandma. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people think Japanese food as ramen or sushi. That's very, very popular here. But as Japanese, like we don't eat those every single day. And then when I... um, you know, when I made some Japanese like dishes to my my friends when I first moved here, they were very surprised. They're like, "Is this Japanese food? Like, I never eaten food like this before." So um, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I wanted to introduce uh, my culture and my food to to the people who never experienced that before. And how much of your food is traditional versus your own kind of spin or modern twists on it? It's almost all traditional, but the for me, what I care about is uh, I care more about authenticity. So, you know, my mom and my grandma, they were the chefs, but they didn't do only traditional Japanese cuisine. 
it was more like um, bar food. The food, it goes well with the drinks that we sell. So um, most of the, the flavor and inspiration of the dish actually coming from that. So it's not much too crazy twist, but I try to make it like something interesting. Like um, the dish I created um, not too long ago, I, um, it was one of the, the uh, course menu that a pop-up I did in last October at Mercy Me in Washington, D.C. Um, it was a daikon radish dish. So I prepped the daikon and I pre-cooked the daikon in very Jap- traditional Japanese way. But um, what I did was I put the um, cheese on the top and then I seared on the top of the cheese to melt and put it on the chicken broth. That's like some combination that we don't really see in a Japanese traditional food. But I just wanted to make like something a little bit more interesting using Japanese technique and ingredients. So that's, that's like the, the, my favorite way to approach uh, creating a new dish. What's the reception been to the pop-ups? Have people enjoyed them? I think so. Well, I, I don't get to talk to every single person, of course. But, uh, um, you know, when I, um, when I post something, uh, you know, thank people about coming to my pop-up, I usually get the positive, you know, feedback. So I'm, I'm hoping, like, people enjoy um, the meal. And, of course, you know, most importantly, I want people to enjoy the experience and uh, the, the time. So um, as long as they had fun, like, that's, that's a win-win for me. And what are some of your favorite dishes from your childhood? Um, I'll say, let's see, uh, karaage, which is Japanese fried chicken, is definitely my favorite, which I still cook for the pop-up a lot of times. And my mom had a very distinct um, the way prepping. So I, I do that. I can't really tell you much about it. It's a little bit of secret. And um, that, you know, kombu broth or like the dried mushroom broth, like anything use, you know, any dish like uh, my mom used with the broth, of course, like miso soup. I mean, a lot of times like we use those broth into like making Japanese curry and things like that. How complicated is it to make the broths? Because it seems like that's a starting point for so many of the dishes that I see. Is it not that hard or? Not at all. So if you have a time, what you can do is, um, you know, I recommend using not the tap water, um, but, you know, you can use like some um, container like port or something, put the kombu, like piece of kombu and fill the water and just put it in the fridge overnight and then it's done. Oh, that that's a, sounds really easy. Very easy. You don't even have to do it. Like when you're in rush, there's like certain way like you can try as well, uh, which is you you simmer um, you you simmer the water with a kombu uh, for like you know for a little while, and it, it can be done that way as well. Um, but kombu, like if you boil it too hard, the the bitterness like harshness from the kombu usually comes out. So what you want to do is you just don't want to boil it at all just want to simmer yeah, it's, yeah i've only made it a couple times like a dashi broth and yeah. uh i don't know i feel like i should be making it more often i don't know why i'm yeah. not it's it's great with everything like you can make um you know um i think one time i made a bishi soas with the kombu 
Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. And it's, it's great. And then um, if you want, you can add it to, you know, when you cook the rice, you can add like those broths into the rice as well. Are there any misconceptions about Japanese food and cooking, like things that you keep hearing over and over, or just when, when you say you cook Japanese food, things that, I mean, I know you had talked about, we all think that it's just sushi and ramen, but are there any other misconceptions about it? Not really in D.C. I feel like uh, people in Washington, D.C. are very well educated in uh, different cuisines. So they seem like they have like a lot more understanding. But sometimes like, you know, like I was asked like, hi, do you do you do you make any this dish? And that dish was actually Chinese. Everything gets like lumped, lumped in together, right? Exactly. It's a lot of like mix up. So I think that's probably about it. But like I said, like, you know, people tend to think Japanese food is like a sushi or ramen. Yeah, it's it's just funny. Like people lump things together like Asian. Like they'll say, I like Asian food or I don't yeah. like Asian food. You yeah. know, it's like it's such are we talking, you know, like kimchi, which is yeah. you know, Korean or are we talking yeah. like Vietnamese profiles? And I think yeah. in general, a lot of people tend to lump them together, you know, because like exactly. I, I do catering. So I'll ask people what they like and they just very blanketly say, you know, like I like Asian food or I like or I don't like Asian food. It's like, well, yeah. that's a huge chunk <laughs> of the map. Yeah, it's a very vague, like very wide, you know range the range of things you can do with that, I guess. Even regional, I mean, how much does the cuisine differ within the country? I'm sure from, uh, are, is it like provinces or what do you call the different areas of Japan? Like, Yeah, there is actually. Yeah, so um, the Japanese pancake I like to make, it's, it's called okonomiyaki. Okonomiyaki is mainly based in Osaka, Kobe, you know, the states, we call it prefecture. Uh, around Osaka and in Tokyo they have a little bit of like it's not very similar but like different kind of like the pancake-ish dish um so yeah like and then Hiroshima which is um probably like less than two hours away from Osaka they have Hiroshima style pancakes so each region have a different style and the soy sauce we use in Osaka Kobe area and soy sauce in Tokyo area uses are slightly different too. The Okonomiyaki is one of my all-time favorite things and I only discovered it like five years ago and oh, really? I, yeah. it's like where has this been my whole life and now it's one of those things every time I see it on a menu it's one of those things I have to get. I've tried making it at home I mean I nobody's ever taught me so it's just like reading books and watching videos yeah. and I have to use like the the powdered mix. I know there's more traditional ways than using yeah. kind of that bag mix, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I just, I love it. And I, I wish, I don't know. I wish I had found it like 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Cause it's so fantastic. Yeah. And then you can play, play around so much, you know, with a different topping. The one I usually make is more like authentic, like traditional one. So I use like thin sliced pork belly. That's like very basic, traditional like okonomiyaki 101 type ingredients but you can you can use like cheese you can use like shrimp you can put kimchi and you know of course mushroom like you it, the, the pancake itself is so plain it's just uh, the cabbage pancake 
Maybe you'll think this is horrible, but I did like a play on corned beef and cabbage. I did corned beef and Brussels sprouts. So I like did I mean, a shift. Yeah. I did like a chiffonade of the Brussels sprouts and just yeah, yeah, yeah. the cabbage. And I already had some like cooked corned beef. So I put it on. And then when you flipped it, you know, it gets this like caramelized oh, yeah. brown beef. And I was like, this is amazing. But I'm sure there's some people who think this is just like a total bastardization of their food. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, I, I really like. So what I really love about like seeing like some you know, people in the States uh, cook Japanese food is that uh, um, there's like a something I never think about, you know, the ingredients or the, the how to approach it. That's really, uh, that actually really excites me and really makes me happy. Well, we have such availability of products, especially in big areas like DC. I mean, whatever cuisine in the world, you can find a market. You know, it's like, I love Ethiopian food. Like, I don't know how many cities around the country you can find Ethiopian markets, but in DC, you can go in and just find all this stuff. And it's like being a kid in a candy store. You're just like, wow, I got to try all this. I got to buy all this stuff and just start, you know, trying to cook with it. Yeah, DC is great. Like, it's so international. Like you said, I, I feel like I can try more different cuisine than I did in, in Japan here, like Ethiopian food, it's not really familiar to Japanese people. So I really didn't find like a lot of restaurants in Japan. But here, like you said, um, there's like a lot of great restaurants. Yeah, so it's 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 super fun. Like, I, I love it. So what are your plans for Otabe? Are you looking to continue doing pop ups? Would you ever set out to open your own brick and mortar restaurant? Do you have your sights set on anything? You know, since I'm doing pop-up, I still actually have a regular office job as a full-time job. So my goal is to quit my full-time job. And uh, my goal is to open a little bit of sake bar, Japanese sake bar, with a very good snacks. It's like my what my family does in Japan. So that's my goal. Um, so doing pop-up here and there is for people to get to know me and my food and also educate people of different type of Japanese food other than sushi and ramen. So um, I'm hoping like I can um, get to the goal soon. But um, until then, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep doing pop-up. You even did some throughout COVID. You did some takeaways, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did takeaways. I still did um, some uh, dinner series and uh, I was co- I was doing some collaboration. Yeah, so I try to find something I can do still. Uh, it's It's been a little bit difficult, of course, but, um, you know, there's still, still a way and still there's a people who wants to eat my food. I'll, I'll cook. I'll, I'll definitely, cook, you know, keep cooking for them as well. Do you cook in your free time a lot? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every single day, I barely take deliveries or takeouts. I I really like to cook. I mean, I really enjoy cooking (laughs) in general. So, yeah, I don't mind cooking at all. Like, I almost cook every day. Are you cooking Japanese food or are you cooking everything? Like, do you make a lasagna? Uh, I probably did sometimes, but... Even with making lasagna, I still put like some Japanese ingredients in it though. I put I put um some like soy sauce, tamari in it, some, mixed with some miso to make it a little bit more different flavor. So even I make um 
you know, non-Japanese cuisine, I still put, <laughs> I still sneak into some like, you know, Japanese ingredients like here and there <laughs> to make it a little bit different. I have trouble not tinkering with things. It's just like how I like to cook. Like today I made a Basque cheesecake. Have you seen the Basque cheesecakes? Yes, yes. Right? And I made it and it was delicious and I made it traditional. But then I was like, I wonder what miso paste would taste like in here. Yeah. Like if you just like mixed in some miso in there, it's like, I don't know, should I just let it go and have it be what it's traditional but like that's just not me like once I make it one or two times the way it was meant to be I just have to start throwing stuff in there and that's how I am yeah I think that's that's how I you know cook dishes too I I love doing that it's it's so much fun and so original and by the way for the cheesecake um if you have a yuzu juice that's really really tasty too some like citrus now, what do you do for yuzu juice? Are you buying like bottled concentrate? Because I've I've read so much about like, you know, the different yuzu juices you can buy and that so yeah. many of them aren't really good. Like, do you have yeah. a recommendation for that? So um, the one I really like is the one I, I get from Japanese vendors. So I don't think uh, you can buy it at the store. But if you wanted to buy it at the store, just um, try to make sure they don't have a lot of additives like sugar and like those things. Uh, less additives is better, you know, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, and yuzu, we can't find it anywhere. I mean, there's like some people who grow yuzu, but not really, you know, you can't really buy it in a grocery store or anything like that. Well, like we have H Mart here, which is, you know, a giant yeah. uh, grocery store and they have so much stuff, but the what my impression is the really good stuff isn't even in English. So I'm always looking at all these bottles and I don't even know what anything is. And just, like, I don't even know what language is like, is this Korean or Japanese? Yeah. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> right. uh, so sometimes I'll just buy a bottle of something and, yeah, and try it good. and see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of fun too. Yeah, fun surprise. I don't think I've had any bad experiences yet. So you know, you just gotta keep tr- you just gotta keep trying and and doing that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You had a opportunity to cook at the James Beard House a few years ago. How did that come about? So that was they had an event um, promoting uh, Asian street food. So I was um, able to cook with uh, some of the great chefs in East Coast. Uh, like Danny Lee from um, Anju and um, chefs from Philadelphia, chefs from New York. Yeah, and then I was picked to cook some Japanese street food, which I cook uh, the okonomiyaki, actually, the, the small okonomiyaki. Yeah, um, that was actually a few months after I uh, started Otabe. So back then, I still wasn't really, you know, I was just start to figuring out like things. So, you know, like I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, when you start doing something, like you should say yes to every opportunity you can get. Yeah, well, the James Beard House is like one of those places. If you work in the food world, I think everyone would love the opportunity yes. to cook there and. You know, I guess figure it out. I have no idea if they asked me how to go. If they asked me to go, I have no idea how I'd pull it off. But I think I'd just say yes, and then you figure it out somewhere along the way. Absolutely. So you know, I was I freaked out a little bit (laughs) when I was asked, but in my dictionary, there are no no's. So I I really had to say yes, and like you said, I say yes, and I figure it out. So it's like um you know, fake it until you make it, right? 
<laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's actually the one of the, the the biggest lesson I learned from Redskins experience. You know, just get out there and do it. Exactly. Like I, I'm I'm Japanese. I'm not even you know American, and English was very very hard to understand back then. So yeah, like I just I just say yes and figure out later. Yeah, I just but like you can't you can't show you're you're nervous or you're weak. You know, you can't show that to the world. So you just have to like keep showing, hey, I'm confident. I can do this. Trust me, I can do this. And then like, you know, usually more opportunity comes into your way. So it works, you know. Well, I can't imagine being out on a football field like that, like yeah. that's a whole different kind of insane. Like it's yeah. not even just like cooking a dinner. That's you look out into a sea of people. I don't know that I could deal yeah. with something like yeah. that. Yeah, like it was it was a little crazy, you know, 90,000 90, people was there at the game day. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of people. But it's like it's it's great, you know, like you said, just fake it until you make it. And just try to focus on having fun. And that's, that's, um, that's actually applied to cooking too. Well, how did you learn to do like restaurant cooking? Cause it sounds like you came over here without having training or whatever, but even doing pop-ups, I mean, that's a lot of work. How do you transition into figuring out the logistics of working in a kitchen and a restaurant? So um, the preparation for doing pop-up um, of course, you know, you have to test out the dishes to create the dish. But for me, uh, the, the biggest preparation is actually with a computer. So I sit down hours to do math, create Excel sheet, probably doing one pop-up, I my Excel sheet is probably like 10, 10 pages. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But... You know, since I don't have a my my permanent space, I cannot make any mistakes. Like I need to be perfect because for pop up, uh, you get to like cook for a lot of people you haven't cooked before, and then my goal is to make them a fan of my food. So in order to do that, I really need to have very very detailed planning. That makes it um, the pop up successful. That sounds like more intense planning than a lot of chefs I know who actually run their own restaurants and business. Yeah, but you know, like if you have a own restaurant, if you do it every day, you know, that's your part of your 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 nature. But for me, um, since I don't have a restaurant, I don't do pop-up every single day. I really need to be careful on each steps. And also I don't have my own staff. I usually do pop-up myself. Or sometimes uh, the pop-up is very large pop-up. I'm going to ask my, my friend to help me out. And then these people are not really used to working with me or my food. So that's why the, I need to have like very specific direction, ratios and everything. So um, I don't have to have them confused helping me out. And also I can have the, the dish outcome is same as I make at home. Oh, definitely. Part of my Chefs Without Restaurants group is I do collaborative pop-up dinners. And I did one last summer with a friend who 
doesn't work in food at all. Like he's never, he's never worked in food, but he's amazing at making pasta. Um, And similarly to you, he was making spreadsheets like I've never used in my life, but we, we took over a kitchen we had never been in before. We We found a kitchen in DC. I had literally never seen the kitchen before I walked in there. He had told me like it was good and ready to go. And then he and I have never worked together. So like we just showed up together, brand new kitchen to bang out dinner for a bunch of people. And it was like, that's kind of intimidating. That's a, a very different scenario than than most chefs are used to. Yeah, I I definitely relate to you. So when I do pop-up, I usually go to, you know, different restaurants, different kitchen. So every time I do pop-up, it's a completely different environment. And then I don't I don't get to use that kitchen until I'm actually prepping for the event. So that's why that's also one of the reasons I over prepare. So I prepare probably like 150% and I usually the outcome is 100%. So that's, that's, that's why I do it like different equipment, you know? So I try to bring my own equipments like all the time because I wanted to feel comfortable as well. Working as an in-home personal chef, I know that feeling every day I go into a stranger's house and even though they've told me what they have, uh, it doesn't always match up with what I'm expecting that they have. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, like, if you're expecting something and um, it wasn't there at the place you had to prep or actually, you know, do dinner and things like that, it makes you work super hard. And I just didn't, I just don't like the feeling I can do better but it's really hard for me to do, you know, good with this environment. I hate that. So that's why I try to like bring almost everything. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't have a car and I don't know how to drive. So it always Uber Excel. <laughs> you don't know how to drive? No, no, I don't have, I don't even have a license. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're in DC, you don't really need one, but uh, I love having my car. I know every time I talk to someone, my cousin lives in Philly and yeah. doesn't have a car. And I said something like, we'll go to the grocery store. She's like, you don't understand. I have to like take a bus and go there. And then like, I all I can bring back is like what I have that I can carry. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a whole different set of things that I Yeah, you know, I know someday, know though, someday, someday I'll have a license. <laughs> it's actually always my New Year's resolution for every year for probably like past like six, seven years. But it hasn't happened yet. We'll give you a pass because last year was weird. But if 2021 starts getting back to normal, go get yeah. that license. Go All right. Going to hold right. you that to it. Good. I like that. <laughs> have you ever thought about doing catering or even like the personal chef thing? Uh, yes, I have done some private dinners. And I like doing that as well. But with this COVID situation, it's a little bit hard because, you know, a lot of family wanted to be careful. And I as well. Um, But yeah, I've done it. And uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. I always ask my guests, what are some of your favorite culinary resources? Like if people want to start cooking, let's say specifically Japanese food, where would you point them? Cookbooks, websites, like what what are some things you'd like to share? I think that my favorite Japanese cookbook uh, is uh, called uh, Donabe Cookbook, I think. So there's a the place called Toyo Kitchen in California. And a person, uh, I call it Mrs. Donabe. So she's Japanese. She actually came to Washington, D.C. and did some like cooking demo. And I got to know her. And her name is Naoko Takei. And her cookbook is amazing. So I, I highly recommend that. 
Now, a donabe is like a type of cooking vessel, correct? Yes. Do you need one of those to do those recipes or are there ways to modify that? Yeah. So with that Pacific cooking book, even though if you don't have it, you can substitute it using just a regular pot to make, you know, make the similar flavor. But uh, um, donabe is, you know, also I highly recommend having um, in, in your house because you can, you can like literally do anything. You can make hot pot. You can make a lot of different dishes like curry, non-soupy dish you can make. It's it's pretty amazing. So I really highly recommend that. I'm not sure my wife's going to let me get any more cooking equipment. I've been told <laughs> like we need to no more cooking equipment, but maybe, maybe I'll buy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I highly recommend Um, just check uh, Toyiro Kitchen. It's T-O-I-R-O Kitchen. Great. And I'll look that up and I'll put it in the show notes to share yes, with everyone. Yes, yes. And then I think um, the other one I liked is the uh, um, Gaijin cookbook. Yeah. So Gaijin means foreigner in Japanese. So the, the author of that book is Chef, I, um, Chef Ivan. He actually, he's American, but he actually went to Japan. Is this like Ivan Ramen? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. That's him. But, you know, he, he opened up the ramen shop, but he knows so much about Japanese um, authentic, you know, comfort food as well. So that book is also recommended. Like, it's easy for you to, like, start making, like, some Japanese comfort food. Uh, he has a lot of good recipe in there, too. Good to know. I have his ramen book, but I don't have that one. So I'll have to check yeah, that I out. I highly recommend. Like, all, all the recipe, to me, looks great. Sounds like I have some new reading to to do. Yeah, so cookbooks is always good. Fantastic. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll take pictures of the food and post on Instagram. We're always cooking different things at home, and I've had so much more time now. That's one of the things I've enjoyed is like, you know, everyday life tends to be so busy. And while I'd like to have more going on, it's like I'm making more meals at home than I've ever made in my life. So having more time to to try new things has been kind of nice. Absolutely. And um. You know, a lot of people think differently about cooking, but uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people too, cooking is actually like meditating Zen in a way, because, you know, a lot of chaos going on uh, right now with this circumstances, like, you know, around the world. But when you cook, you focus on just making a food and you don't think anything else. So even like when I have bad day, you know, when I was going through some hard times, cooking always helped me. So if you're really new to cooking, um, just don't worry about it. Just get into it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you ended up liking it. Yeah, people get so stressed out about it. I always tell them like, I don't even teach recipes. I teach techniques. But more yeah. than anything, I tell people be flexible. Like if you yeah. find a recipe and you don't have an ingredient, like, think about what you can substitute. You know, it calls for a jalapeno and you don't have any. I'm sure it's fine to omit it. If you want some spice, put some dried chili in there. Like, it's not the end of the world. I think once you do it and get used to it, you can learn how to kind of intuitively cook, I think. Yeah. And the best part is if you make the flavor the way you like, that's so rewarding. Do you have any places you want to travel as soon as you're able to travel? Do you have any kind of uh, bucket list or places you hope to go soon? I really want to travel like 
in like inside the states like i haven't really traveled a lot of like cities yet i always wanted to go to nashville uh try some southern food and uh, i also wanted to travel like seattle i used to live in seattle it's amazing oh, that's awesome yeah so when i when i visit alaska uh, for the military tour during my cheerleader days, uh, I actually had a 12 hours uh, layover in Seattle by myself. <laughs> so, and then I went and eat some seafood and that was amazing. So I really want to go back and visit again, you know, hopefully like I can stay for a few days so I can enjoy a little bit more. And then um, if I get to go to overseas, I definitely wanted to travel Europe. I, like I said, I, I traveled um, Naples and Spain, but that was through my, my work. So I really didn't get to enjoy a lot of like, you know, different restaurants and things like that. So yeah, that's, those are the places I probably want to go. I also go back to Japan and visit my family and all the restaurants I love as well. I would love to go to Japan. I, I haven't even done that much international travel. I mean, I guess I've been to like London and Spain and that's it. So I feel like I have to catch up. Like you definitely should um, travel to, to Asian countries, you know, Japan and a lot of countries around Japan is very close to like Korea, China, you know, like you get to travel a lot of different places in like short periods of time. So I, I highly recommend Maybe I'll have to plan on doing some pop-ups or something, like find a way to go over there and stay an extended period of time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, cook American food there. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. American food. I mean, that's such a broad term. I mean, we do it to uh, people from other countries, but it's like American food. What is even American food, right? Was there anything else you want to add before we get out of here today? You know, right now, um, I'm on kind of like winter break, fostering dogs, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, once the, the weather is warming up, I'm thinking about doing pop-up, start doing pop-up again. So I'm hoping like I get to um, see you and cook, uh, cook for you. Uh, one of those uh, pop-ups. Um, I think the next uh, big thing I'm working on is actually um, doing, um, doing pop-up with my husband, who is a chef in Washington, D.C., Brad DeBoy. Uh, the chef at the Ellie. Uh, we're trying to create something fun. We can't really tell you guys yet. It's in the process, but we're super excited about uh, this this concept. So hopefully uh, we can uh, nail it and perfect so we can uh, cook for you guys pretty soon. Well, I'll tell you, that is one of my favorite places in D.C. It's one awesome. of the places I recommend the most. I also love that they're open for lunch. You know, I yes. I don't always get into the city at night for dinner. And I think that, you know, there's a, a lack of good and interesting places to eat, you know, all day, breakfast and lunch. Yeah. Because I'll be in the city and have a, a, a meeting at like 11 o'clock and then have to go back to Frederick. It's like, well, where can I go to eat? So that's kind of when I first fell in love with them. So I'll be on the lookout for that for sure. Absolutely. And then, as you know, he, he does some crazy stuff, like fermentation mostly. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love like any of the like kimchi toasts, you know, yeah. I think I've had a number of the kimchi toasts yeah. every time. I think it's one of those things that's probably on the menu all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, we were still testing like every week uh, to perfect uh, the new pop-up that we are thinking about doing together. 
So yeah, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, just check my Instagram. Um, I'll do announcements and things like that. I'm mostly in my Instagram, so. Oh, I look forward to that. And I'm looking forward to, to getting out of winter. We've had a mild winter, but as soon as spring comes, I feel like I'm going to be in the mood to just like get out and do some things and eat some food. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Same, same here. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So to all our listeners, this has been the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. As always, you can find us at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org and on all social media platforms. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.